Still Kirby. Lovely check. Kirby! Welcome to Fran Kirby's Fight Club, your one-stop listen for all things Chelsea FCW, and of course, the magnificent, wonderful, amazing Fran Kirby. I'm uh, Andre Carlisle. I'm a writer who covers Chelsea for We Ain't Got No History, but I am only half of your hosting duo. I am here with Mariam. Yes, that's me. <laughs> I'm a writer and podcaster, just like Andre. I cover women's football and Chelsea for Squawker, and obviously, just like Andre, a diehard Fran Kirby fan. Absolutely. So we're just going to get right into it. Chelsea just finished their match with Aston Villa, uh, beat them 2-0. It was kind of an interesting match. A lot of changes from Emma Hayes, and we'll talk about that particular aspect of it in just a second. But we wanted to review the match really quickly. Kirby, hashtag Kirby, (laughs) K-E-R-R-B-Y. Spread it, use it. Uh, it's a thing. We made it. We made it a thing. Make sure. I think all of us, all the podcasts, all the people who follow Chelsea, made it a thing. Uh, because actually, you know what? That's probably giving us too much credit. Sam Kerr and Frank Kirby made it a thing. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, they just will not stop scoring and assisting from each other. So uh, this time, Sam Kerr gets two goals from two Frank Kirby assists. The first one was um, a little bit different than what we're used to. It was it was all over the air instead of through the air instead of along the ground. And a great looping header from Sam Kerr. Whenever the ball is in the air, she's going to be able to, to meet it with her head. She's got fantastic lead, times it well, and directs the ball on frame. And then in the 57th minute, it happened again. But this time, they got a, a secondary assist, I'll say, from Jess Fleming, who started the match, played all 90, and really kind of out of nothing, ended up pressuring a defender who was trying to shield her uh, and let the ball roll to the goalkeeper. There was some mix up there and they couldn't really have time to communicate to figure it out uh, because Jess Fleming was bearing down. So they just booted the ball out. I'm not sure if there was a slight deflection or so, but it either way, they kicked the ball right to Fran Kirby. Bad idea. <laughs> and Fran Kirby had all the time and space to pick out Sam Kerr, who hit a Interesting little first-time finish that just kind of floated over the keeper into the net. That's all it took. Mariam, what were your thoughts on the game overall? Yeah, I think I think it was kind of expected. We knew that Mahes was going to rotate the squad in terms of keeping one eye on the Champions League second leg Wolfsburg. Um, but given Aston Villa's current state in terms of league position, and we know the current form hasn't been all too consistent, I think I was fairly confident that the game would go like that. But it was nice to see the different elements of the Kirby relationship. Like you mentioned, a lot of it is possession play and, and playing centrally through um, high and low presses. But this time, we're switching it off. You know, we went over the top, and Sam Kerr was showing us how good she is in the air, which we already know, obviously. But it was nice to see that again. And then once again showcasing that press we still have it doesn't matter what team we play it doesn't matter how we're playing that concept of high pressing and the game pressing that we see more in the men's side of football we saw that again something that Chelsea been doing all season and unfortunately for Aston Villa it was another defeat yeah it was another defeat I actually listened to their to their coach you know before the match and he said that they're just trying to you know kind of keep it close was kind of their 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 game Mm. plan so they definitely weren't trying to get a result they kind of knew what they were up against which was a little interesting uh, of an approach I think I mean I know the the teams are on opposite ends of the table right uh so you don't really expect to go in there and take points but we we kind of saw this later in the year earlier in the year when Emma Hayes made six changes to the squad same number she made today uh it, it was against Brighton and that was before a big league match versus uh Arsenal 
Chelsea ended up losing against Brighton. They did beat Arsenal 3-0 <laughs> three days later. Uh, but that was a that was a difficult thing. And Emma Hayes kind of did the same thing. We know the second leg against Wolfsburg is coming up uh, on Wednesday. And Emma Hayes made a lot of changes of them that were very interesting, kind of intriguing to me. I think of the of the, all the changes, the most intriguing ones were the fullbacks. Uh, Jess Carter played right back, and then Hannah Blundell came in uh, to, and played left back, which is quite interesting. And then Neve Charles did come in and replace Jess Carter uh, in the second half and played right back, which she's been playing. But that was kind of an interesting one, I think. There were a lot of changes. You know, Jess Fleming got a start, as I mentioned before. Aaron Cuthbert got a start, which is which has been rare um, with this Chelsea kind of switching out of the 4-3-3, going to a 4-2-3-1. Uh, so this was kind of a very interesting match, I think, from that standpoint. Yeah, I think I think if people listening, they cast their minds back to our defensive deep dive. We talked a lot about Hannah Blundell, about her versatility, how she's played at centre back and in the full back positions. So I think that was more of a you know a well thought out tactical switch for Emma Hayes. But like you mentioned, the you know, Jess Carter and Aaron Cuthbert, those are players who haven't really had the time to play in our current formation because the way we're playing that four-two-three-one is so precise and it's it's getting so much out of that formation that it's kind of left them on the fringes. But they did a really good job in coming in and Jess Carter is a fantastic player she she was able to provide that space and also as you mentioned pressed from the back and I think that's something that our fullbacks don't get enough kind of appreciation for most so it was nice to see that although Emma Hayes switched things up it was again very tactical it wasn't just you know bringing in players for the sake of resting other players it was very thought out and and it suited well that Aston Villa was struggling to to face us in that sense yeah, absolutely. I think you're out. I think you're quite right, depending on, you know, when you talk about it being kind of strategic, how Emma Hayes was kind of, especially at the fullback position. I mean, we were pretty sure Neve Charles is going to is going to be suspended for the match. I don't think you can appeal yellow cards in the Champions League, uh, even though her yellow card was one of the most egregious things that I, I have seen in football this year. Um, it was a clean tackle, perfect tackle. We tweeted about it. So if you scroll back on our timeline, you can actually see video of it. Uh, but that yellow card gave her a one-match suspension for yellow card accumulation. Uh, and so we're going to have to have a different right back. And that's a little concerning. And we are going to get into Wolfsburg later. But I think that was a really good point by Miriam. Um, Real quick, though, it, it, to, to kind of wrap up on the Aston Villa match before we jump into that and a little bit of a review of the of the league table before we get into that. Uh, let's let's do something new here. We want to do something new on Fran Kirby's Fight Club, and we want to anoint the inaugural. We're going to use this as the inaugural. <laughs> I hate saying that word. Why did I try to say it twice? <laughs> I'm going to say it three times. The inaugural prestigious Fran Kirby's Fight Club Woman of the Match. Miriam, who are you giving your first, your very first woman of the match, FKFC woman of the match? Who's it going to? I think people would come for me if I didn't say Sam Kerr. <laughs> uh, and, and, and it's not just the goals. I think a lot of people forget that she is such a multi-dimensional player. She's good in the air. She's good at passes. Her runs are so synced with defensive play that it's so hard to mark her. We've seen her across the league and in the Champions League games of how much of a difficulty it is to keep on top of her. And I think today we saw a lot of different elements of her game. The you know the the header for the first goal, the looping over the top for the second goal, and the technique she used there. She's really coming into her own, and I think she deserves a little bit of love. I think you're right. She deserves a lot of love. I think that. I think it's really important to see Sam Kerr also scoring with her feet. I think that is, and that's something mm -hmm. I'll talk about a little bit later, but I do think that is huge. That, that to me signifies that we are seeing now the real Sam Kerr 
And I think that Emma Hayes also noted recently that Sam Kerr is having some of her best matches in a Chelsea shirt, whether she scores or not. Usually she does. Uh, but she is just in an unreal uh, patch of form right now. So I completely stand behind that. I'm going to cheat with my FKFC moment <laughs> of the match. I'm going to go with Kirby. Hashtag K-E-R-R-B-Y. Mm. I'm going with the combination. It is a thing. I, at some point, I, I think I got it. I think I'm just going to have to get a custom shirt with K-E-R-R-B-Y on the back of it because it's just the combination those two have and how Fran Kirby's always able to find Sam Kerr and then put the ball right in a spot where she knows Sam Kerr's not only going to be able to get to it, but finish it. It's just an unreal combination. And, and you know, I'll, I'll be honest, you know, I've seen Sam Kerr with a partnership like this before. Um, I won't say on this level, but there has been a really good partnership when she played for the Chicago Red Stars. Um, she played with Yuki Nagasato, really good player, really crafty player, always uh, was getting an assist for Sam Kerr. But it was always that combination of Sam Kerr or Yuki Nagasato assisting Sam Kerr. This time, it's both of them assisting one another. You know, Fran Kerr, uh, Fran Kerr, Fran Kirby and Sam Kerr <laughs> continue to assist one another and get a bunch of goals. In fact, let me look it up real quick because I think the Opta Twitter account um, posted something that was extremely fun on it. And this was before the second goal, by the way. So these numbers jumped up one by the end of the match. They said, uh, and I'll quote it, 20 and 19 Chelsea's opener scored by Sam Kerr and assisted by Fran Kirby means the Chelsea duo lead the way in women's super league this season for direct goal involvements with the Australian on 19 broken down. That's 13 goals, six assists and Fran Kirby with 20. That's 12 goals, eight assists. They in that with their trademark one word synopsis deadly. Um, honestly, that went up one and 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 you think about those numbers 19 and 20 which now would be 20 and 21 given they did it again after this tweet that's in 17 WSL matches that's an absurdity it's crazy to think though how in sync they are and it, like you mentioned it's not just one player scoring the other player is assisting it's not like that they're both in tune to each other and oftentimes it's like not even looking where that pass is like in the last game um you know that pass from Sam Kerr through to Frank Kirby that one touch pass one hit pass it's like they don't even need to look to know where they are they just know they're that in tune with each other it's like almost telepathic you know without using a cliche term it's crazy it really is crazy you gotta think that some kind of magical superpower dark forces <laughs> might be at play here <laughs> Back to the Dark Forces. It wouldn't be a Fran Kirby's Fight Club <laughs> podcast without a reference to Dark Forces and Black Magic. Um, so what this does is Manchester City, in very frustrating fashion, uh, be, be Reading 1-0. That was one of those matches where I allowed myself to hope just a little bit because Reading had done so well and they got past that crucial, you know, early 80th minute mark that Everton messed up and allowed City to score one goal. So City's kind of scraped by one nil a couple of opponents here uh so it was a little frustrating but that pretty much means that when chelsea and manchester city match match up later on i believe it's scheduled for late april but that depends on how far we progress in the champions league um clearly that's going to be the one for the for the for the league title so we'll see uh but both clubs have pretty win winnable matches from here on out um, except for when they play one another. So with this 2-0 win over Aston Villa, Chelsea is back at the top of the table, two points above Manchester City. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to talk about it. 
mentioned the Champions League. We've talked about the match versus Wolfsburg just a little bit. We're going to talk about it a lot more and what we should expect in the second leg right after this really short break. Welcome back. So Chelsea picked up where, where they left off with Atletico in terms of just pure weirdness of Champions League matches. You know, both matches versus Atletico were very strange. Uh, this match versus Wolfsburg was just, it probably drove the analytics nerds a little crazy because Wolfsburg <laughs> had so many chances. I believe like the XG was absurd. Like Chelsea had probably, I think it was like point six. I was listening to the Box to Box podcast earlier, which go ch- check that out because that's another good one. Uh, that has a really has really good analysis, but I believe they said it was like 0.6 for Chelsea and like over three for Wolfsburg. Damn. I mean, that's it's just <laughs> absurd. But yeah, it, it was not good. So uh, I guess Miriam, I can kind of stop there and just ask because we we previewed the match, and I don't think any of us, either of us, saw this coming. What were your perceptions? What did you think about the match? I think I had a little idea of how different it was going to be from the Atleti game because obviously, unlike that. That game, Wolfsburg are much stronger, much more compact in the midfield. And their front two are very interchangeable. So we knew a little bit about how they were going to attack in terms of the possession play and playing centrally. The thing we didn't kind of really see was how quick and ferocious they were going to be. Like the reason why the XG is over three now is it's only 0.6 because they were getting a lot of chances. And I think if it wasn't for Berger and a few really quick um, reactionary tackles and moments, they should have got a lot of a lot more than they actually ended up getting. So I think that was a thing that was a little bit unexpected. We seemed to adapt very well to that, but they were finding so many gaps. And that double pivot that we were playing was just under a lot of pressure. And I think that put a lot of pressure again on the back four so it was like everything was kind of building up and building up eventually when they got their goal from the penalty um again it came from the spot so we we seemed to kind of be doing well f- from preventing them from open play but yes we did get a little bit of luck and it was difficult because although we knew a little bit how about how they were going to set up the intensity of the play was what we seemed to be struggling with i think yeah actually i think that is 100 percent correct it was really their intensity they really just came and were extremely direct which is very strange they almost did a chelsea to chelsea <laughs> you know like normally we're the ones who who don't need too many passes to go right at you and create a scoring opportunity. And normally, normally you won't see, uh, you won't like the stats usually don't bear things out this quick, this easily. But I think in this match, you saw that it was just Wolfsburg had, okay. So Wolfsburg had 378 passes and they got 22 shots from those 378 passes to put that in perspective. Chelsea just got 18 shots against Aston Villa with 568 passes. Now, obviously, those stats, because it doesn't factor in, you know, style of play, you know, how the opponent is defending you and all of that, there are there are variables in there. But I just think that if you look at those two things, that really stands out. You know, getting 22 chances to shoot the ball towards the goal with only 378 passes really means that they were going very direct and they were bypassing our midfield with ease. And I think that intensity is is exactly what is important to note 
because as much as we love G and today G had a great moment where she she played good, a really good game, but she also had that great moment where for some reason she just decided to duck all the way underneath the banner instead of just going over the the, boat, <laughs> the post. So you should check that out on our Twitter account. It just kind of gives you a, a, a tiny glimpse into the mind of G, who's always just problem solving in very creative ways. Um, but yeah, you, you just kind of like look at look at how Angle played and how G played and they were they were no match for the intensity and the athleticism that Wolfsburg brought to us in midfield. And because of that, it was almost like they were non-existent. Yeah, and the thing is, it was it was scary because I don't think that's something we've ever met before. Normally when we play that double pivot, it's so strong because you've got two players who work so well. You've got Lupoltz, who's very sharp, very aware in terms of spatial spatial anomalies and she's there to kind of, kind of break things up. But then you've got G who's able to take possession out and, and build that channel. So that's been such a strong foundation for us. I don't think we've ever really been challenged, maybe slightly in the athletic game, but I, I can't think of a game in terms of our league struggling in that sense. So that was what was kind of a bit of a a bit, bit of a shock to me almost because it, it seemed to be that we were really struggling. But then we just decided, okay, if we're going to struggle in midfield, we're going to struggle in defence, let's just outscore them and let's just throw our attack and and Kirby came up once again with the goods yeah again you mentioned earlier telepathic connection and said it was cliche it may be cliche but in this time it's actually accurate I think it becomes cliche when people apply it to things that it doesn't really apply to but this connection absolutely seems to be telepathic and that assist I'm still trying to work out how Frank Kirby <laughs> did that because her back was turned and she knew like, it's not just knowing where Sam Kerr is going to be. It's knowing the type of ball she needs to hit. And it's knowing what she, how quickly she needs to hit it because she basically spins around without any time to be able to, to pick out the run, like the angle of the run, like where is Sam Kerr actually going to come? Is she going to cut across her defender or is she going to go wide? You don't, she doesn't really know except she it's, it looked like she did. <laughs> she just spun around and pushed the ball right into space. And this is, I think this is the goal I really wanted to talk about because this was Sam Kerr, excuse me, this was Sam Kerr using both of her feet in a way that we have rarely seen in a Chelsea shirt. We know she can do it. She's been doing it her entire career. That's why she is such a prolific scorer. But seeing her do this in a Chelsea shirt really lets you know that those those early struggles where she was really mad at herself for missing chances and then overthinking a lot of chances, particularly with her feet, I think this shows that those are gone, that those days are in the past. It was a really, really clever strike and really, really clever for the for how much time she had. She had to think about a lot in a very short span of time, you know, get evade the keeper, get the ball away from the defender on the line. And she almost did it effortlessly. It was just one touch, two touch in the goal. And that's the Sam Kerr we've been waiting to see. That's one thing I was going to say, and you mentioned a really good point. Although if you watch it in real time, you know, it's everything's happening very quickly, maybe in, in the space of four or five seconds. But if you slow that down and really break down exactly what both those players, not just Sam Kerr, to think about in that moment, Van Kirby has, like you mentioned, one of two decisions to make, either play out wide, which, you know, Sam Kerr can get, but also play it through the true defenders who have now drifted apart. And, and again, either way, she could mess up. And then Jonas, when, she, when Sam Kerr receives the ball, the onus is on her. What do I do? Do I go around the defender? Do I loop it over? Do I play it through? Well, that's the key difference, though, in Sam Kerr. The Sam Kerr that we saw in the beginning of the season in the, in the community shield probably would have not scored that because she would have overthought it. 
Samka we see now acts based on reflexes. She's very instinctive. She's playing in a way that is true to herself. And I think you see that in her performances. There's no second guessing. There's no doubt. It's just pure Samka. And it's it's really nice to see her. I think that confidence come back because I know it's been such a struggle for her. I mentioned it in the beginning of the season. And she used to get a goal here and maybe a goal every two, three other games. And the celebrations were so emotional. But now she's getting such a good streak going. And as you mentioned, so many goals and assists with Kirby. It It's really nice to see her finally come into her own. Yeah, absolutely. I really do think that's so important, and especially at a great, at a, at a really important time in the season. So, uh, and it is, and it is very funny. You you almost like through her struggle, you almost get an additional layer of understanding of how good Sam Kerr is, because even though she was struggling and not being like herself, she was still scoring a bunch of goals. <laughs> so, like we kept saying, like she's fine. Like she'll get this. She'll get even better. But she was still right behind Miedema in the goal in the top scores in the league because she is just so good she's so hard to keep out and at the very least she's going to get herself in positions for very easy finishes whether they're with her head or they're just sliding tap-ins right at the goal line it doesn't really matter she can get her goals in a number of ways but now we're seeing uh, a few more uh, a bit more confidence and that's exactly what we've been looking for Sam Kerr to look fully like Sam Kerr and you know what I think I figured it out I think I know exactly where it's coming from there is no Absolutely no mistake, no surprise, or no coincidence that this is all happening after she did her first backflip for Chelsea. <laughs> I was waiting to see what you were going to say. <laughs> Ever since the backflip, back flip, she's been out of her mind. She's been playing well, scoring with her feet. And she's been unstoppable. Ever since the backflip, she just needed to get back to herself and turn upside down for some reason. You was just sort of stuck inside of her and she needed to release that to be the the true the beast that we know she is. Absolutely. So let's let's talk about the next match. You know, the leg two is going to be very important. Obviously, it's to progress in the Champions League, but obviously it's also to finally close the chapter of losing to Wolfsburg in the Champions League, getting knocked out by them in the Champions League. I do think that Chelsea ahead of the first leg thought about that way too much. Mm -hmm. I think that there are many times when they were playing against the history, like the ghost of Wolfsburg and all those defeats instead of the team in front of them, because they're better than the team in front of them on a, on a position. you know, you you look at the team sheets and you look at how they play and you look at the league performance uh, in, in their separate leagues. Chelsea's a better team right now than Wolfsburg. And it's almost like Chelsea didn't believe that. They went in there to try to prove that. And I think that they need to make sure that in the second leg, they don't make that same mistake. Wolfsburg did unfortunately get that penalty, as Mariam mentioned, that does give them an away goal. Very weird how they're doing this. It's kind of both legs are played in the same stadium in Budapest, but that was Chelsea's home leg. So Chelsea will be away next time um, as we go out. And so this is going to be interesting. Miriam, uh, we kind of saw the return of a, to be honest, it was hard to tell our shape because Wolfsburg were so all, all over us, but it almost seemed like it was a 4-3-3 giving the personnel with uh, loopholes, G and uh, Engel in there. Do you think she's going to persist with that? Or do you think that it just didn't work well enough at all for her to go to and you think we'll see a different formation? I understand why she uses a 4-3-3 because I think playing the 4-3-1, maybe she thought that the double pivot 
um, would work in the way that it has worked before. And then she had an extra midfielder, so it was like almost we can we can kind of force them out. We can make sure they don't press us too much. We can create a better channel through to attack. But I don't think it worked at all because because Wolves found different ways to beat us. They found ways on the flank. They found crosses, as I mentioned when I was talking about um, Wolfsburg in the previous podcast. I was telling them telling people how Wolfsburg normally operates through. And they showed us that they found different ways. And I think that maybe that concept from Hayes of playing the three midfielders, I don't think it would work as well. I think one thing we know from that double pivot is that whilst it may it may not be great in terms of holding Wolfsburg back, it does help us score more and it helps us create more chances. And I think that's the way we're going to do it. We only really need one goal. We need one goal and it's going to put the pressure on them. So the more that we're creating a formation that allows us to be as attackingly potent as possible and score more goals, the more pressure's on them. Yeah, and I think that's the interesting thing. I, I really, it's hard for me to tell, especially because of how Emma Hayes approached the second leg versus Atletico. We were really defensive in that match. And, you know, it, we were composed defes- defensively. And so we didn't really come under too much pressure. You know, there was that early, uh, that very late, you know, moment where they scored. And it was it was a little concerning. I believe it was called back or, or something. I can't remember exactly what happened in that match uh, other than it was just weird. But there was a moment late in that match where it was like, ooh, this could get really tight towards the end. But it Chelsea kind of got lucky again in that situation. So what do you think that Wolfsburg or not Wolfsburg, do you think that Chelsea should look to score goals or do you think they should look to play a composed match, get to halftime, nil-nil, and then go out and get one goal to make sure that Wolfsburg has way too much to do and not enough time to do it. I think one thing we will see, um, to answer your question, one thing we will see is us playing a more intense stacking press because that's one one way they kind of overdid us. They got over us through being intense themselves. So I think Emma Hayes is really going to push from the front. And if we do that, there's, there's all the possibility to regain possession in, in threatening places, like we've seen in previous league games. The more we press from the front and tackle and push from the front, the more we have possession to play through to their, to their goal. So I think we'll see something like that. And I think that is going to result that can only work if we're playing a 4-2-3-1 formation because when we play the 4-3-3 there's a lot more possession-based football and we really want to push through the attack so I think I think that's one way to to really make sure we come out of the blocks quick and that we don't get undone the way we did in the first leg adapting I think is key and, and we know how much Emma Hayes tweaked things after that first leg against Atleti because it was such a manic first leg she learned a lot from that and I'm hoping well I'm at least thinking that maybe she's learned a lot from this first leg too yeah, you know, I, I I think the same. The only thing that I think complicates it is Neve Charles's yellow yeah. card and being suspended. I, I don't, I mean, she was the best defender along the back line. You know, Magda Erickson gave away a penalty. Millie Bright had some weird shaky moments. And Jana Anderson, they really targeted her and overloaded her side. And though she did decently 1v1, it was very difficult for her to be able to keep up with all the runs and all the running that players, that Wolfsburg players were doing at her. So, and and Eve Charles actually did quite well. She stood up to it. She repelled a few. She got in the way. She slowed down some attacks. She stalled. She took possession. And after a while, they just stopped attacking down her side and everything was coming down uh, the, the their right flank, our left. So because of that, it almost makes me think because we're going to have a, a, a fairly inexperienced player playing right back and the same thing can happen on the right or the left because they know they can repeat that performance, whether Emma Hayes does like a flat 4-4-2 and, or 4-4-1-1 really uh, to try to get another you know, body near midfield and just hoping we can catch them on a break. 
I do wonder if that's what she's going to try to do just to make sure that there's always two players on the flanks trying to 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 repel Wolfsburg, especially when they overload. Yeah, because you're right. We're definitely going to need assistance on either side. We're going to need players who are capable of tracking back and forward. So I think maybe that's one reason why she might think of, of not doing that double pivot. But I think if you want to press in the way that you're capable of doing, it's going to have to be through the four two three one. So it's it's a bit of a conundrum, yeah. I think. Yeah, and it's also going to be interesting to see the personnel she chooses. I, I do think that in that match, she didn't uh, Emma Hayes didn't react quickly enough to realize what was going on in midfield, and and that we weren't going to be able to have the possession that was going to allow players like Sophie Engel, player like Ji So Yun to really have that possession and be able to use the ball and create the spaces that we're used to them creating to in order to spring attacks. We didn't really see that. Um, <laughs> it is a little ironic that Chelsea's first goal, you know, the buildup play to it actually happened with Magda Eriksson passing the ball from, from just inside, you know, uh, Wolfsburg's half up into the, into the attacking third to Sophie Engel, which was weird. It was like, why is Sophie Engel up there? And she makes a one touch pass back to G and then G kind of gets away from a defender and plays a little chipped pass to Fran Kirby, who then of course turns and gets it to Kerr. But it was a very interesting move, and those players were definitely in positions that we're not necessarily used to seeing them. But that's kind of how Chelsea's attack works. You you, don't, you can't. It's hard to really track most players. Even even today in Aston Villa, we saw uh, Millie Bright was just hanging out in the attacking third multiple times. I think she nutmegged somebody <laughs> in the attacking third too. It was amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting. But I do think that Emma Hayes missed an opportunity to put on Aaron Cuthbert to get more mobility, to get more aggression in midfield and really try to like harass Wolfsburg instead of allowing them to just collect the ball and dribble up the pitch right right through midfield and be able to pick out the next pass at, at will almost. I mean, it was really, if you rewatch that match, it was it's really surprising how Chelsea did not lose that match. It was very, very surprising. And I think Emma Hayes will know that that just can't happen again. So I am hoping to see at least Aaron Cuthbert I also wouldn't mind seeing Jess Fleming. I know she just played 90 minutes, but she has that same type of energy where she just never stops running at opponents, created a goal uh, today um, by doing that. She just never stops making a nuisance of herself. And I think that that is something that we really need to make sure we have on the pitch against Wolfsburg in the second leg. I think one thing that gives me hope is that in the beginning of the season, one complaint we had was that we'd have bad performances and Emma Hayes would never pick up on why. We'd never see like a tweak in the next game. She'd persist with those those problems and the problems would continue and continue. But as the season has progressed, we've seen that when something goes wrong, Emma Hayes does not repeat that mistake. She learns from games. She learns which players are right. She's happy to bench people a little more than she probably would in the beginning of the season. So I think... I think we can confidently say that if there needs to be a tweak, like you mentioned, if if uh, Cuthbert is brought into the midfield or if there's a tweaking in the fullback positions, I'm confident that Emma Hayes will have learned from that first leg to make those decisions the same way that she learned from the first leg in Atleti. So that gives me a little bit of hope going into the second leg. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a good, a really good point because I know, I know, you know, we as a podcast got got a little bit of heat for calling out, you know, G in that in that you know number ten spot. Um, when we realized that it, teams were kind of packing themselves into that area in order to stop, you know, her being the facilitator of our attack. Uh, and we needed to kind of be a little more fluid in that area and really use get players in there who can who are quick, who are a little bit quicker, who can, you know, have more physical attributes. You know, G's more of a thoughtful player. She's more creative. She's more skilled. And 
that's kind of what she relies on. She's not really going to beat a player too much 1v1 and she's not going to run by anybody. You know, that's kind of not her thing. And we almost got, you know, people thought we were picking on G, but we really weren't. You know, it was just kind of looking at what the team needed. And I think mm-hmm. that what Emma Hayes ended up doing kind of showed that, you know, she moved G back and said, you know, when we want to go direct, when we want to win possession and move the ball up the pitch, it's much better to have G playing deeper than it is to have her up as a number 10. And just that move alone really helped unlock Chelsea's attack. So I think you're so right that, you know, it may take her a minute, but she had like early in the season, she was kind of like, this is our system. This is what we do. This is how it works. But when we switch to the 4-2-3-1 or the 4, I always call it like a 4-1-3-2. I know technically <laughs> it's really a 4-4-2 diamond, but Chelsea plays so high that those like three players end up almost in a line with each other always. So I just go 4-1-3-2. But it's just, that's that's kind of the thing we have seen, the kind of thinking we have seen from Emma Hayes. So I am hoping that we don't see another 4-3-3. <laughs> please no. But if we do, please at least have Aaron Cuthbert in there. And I would really love to see like loopholes, Fleming and Cuthbert. I think that's a fine three to run around and harass Wolfsburg and frustrate them. And I still think we can have, you know, our, our front three, Harder, Kerr and Kirby, they can still pick through Wolfsburg on the on the counter. So I'm really hoping that Emma Hayes does something like that. Yeah, I think I definitely agree with you in terms of the midfield. Um, I would like to see an extra midfield in there just because I think that it'll help us push things a little more quickly. I think that's the thing. When you've got the double pivot and either player like Lipoltz and G have got their separate responsibilities, it's not really to push possession forward in between those channels through to attack. And I think it would help us a lot to break up um, Wolfsburg's attack because, again, their passing is slick and quick and uh, they're very sort of interchangeable with the positions they play in. So I think that would help. I think I would still possess with the double pivot. So, you know, that that sort of G and Leopold's do what they normally do. But I think having an extra midfield in their uh, midfield player, sorry, and they like Cuthbert or even Fleming, whichever sort of Emma Hayes goes with, to have that free reign almost in that secondary shadow striker role ahead and just ahead of Harder and, and Kirby. I think that would really help us break things up a little more because, as you mentioned, they were playing so easily through us and it shouldn't be like that at all. It was concerning. So I'm hoping that that's one thing Emma Hayes might have picked up on. Yeah, absolutely. So the good news is that, as Miriam said, a goal from Chelsea would be an away goal and make Wolfsburg, 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 Jesus Christ. (laughs) The good news is that a goal from Chelsea makes Wolfsburg job really difficult. Definitely going to be a very, very intense match. I'm already nervous for it. I do not want to see Chelsea's Twitter account post out any other videos that talk about our record versus Wolfsburg in the Champions League. Please don't do that. Let's just play the team that's in front of us. We're better than them. We should be able to beat them. Um, at the very least, we should be able to get a nil-nil. Uh, well, let's not even look for a nil-nil. I think we can put goals on the on the on the board. We know we can score on them. We know we and and I think one thing also for Chelsea is that we know that's about as bad as we've played in a long time. The question will be how much of that was Wolfsburg, how much of that was Chelsea, and really this second leg is really going to show that. And I and I just hope and I think that the players know that they put too much pressure on themselves and that if they go out and play their game, and of course, if Emma Hayes makes a couple tactical tweaks and gets, you know, players on the pitch who can withstand that mobility of Wolfsburg, um, I think we'll see a much different Chelsea than we saw in the first leg. So prediction time. Mariam, what do you think? I'm going to say 2-0. I think um, for Chelsea. Okay. <laughs> I think 
I think we're going to get the first goal and I think maybe we'll hold on to that lead from it for about 60, 70 minutes. But I think they're going to have to really push themselves out of their preferred formation to score themselves. And I think that's going to open up chances for us, which I just don't see Kirby, you know, Kerr and Kirby. I don't see them squandering any chances that are handed to them on a plate. So, yep, 2-0 is mine. 2-0 is yours. You think we're going to keep Wolfsburg out after everything that they did, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's bold. I like it. I am less confident. I think Wolfsburg has a really good attack. I think that they will know that they can cause Chelsea problems. I really think that not having Neve Charles at right back really exposes us at both flanks now, and that concerns me. Um, I think it's going to be 2-2, and I think we are going to escape to the next round, but I think it's going to be a very difficult and tough game, and I don't know like the order of the goals, uh, what I'm thinking, I just hope that, uh, I just hope that I'm wrong. <laughs> Let's put it that way. It was so stressed. Like, how were you feeling during that first match? Cause I was so stressed out. I was staring at the screen, just like, this is, <laughs> this is not the Chelsea that I know. And I had a bad gut feeling. I'm like, oh, please, please don't let this be the the one game where things go wrong. And I had to turn it off and, and just not be on my phone for a while. Then I came back and saw that we'd actually just managed to get through with two goals to one. And I was just like, that's, that's such a weight off my shoulders. <laughs> it really was. And I know Wolfsburg's got to be so upset because they had chances. I mean, they hit the post a couple of times, you know, Berger played out of her mind. We're going to need that again, I think. But yeah, I, I know that they, they really could have gotten out of there with a really, really good win and had a lot of away goals. And that would have really been problematic. And Chelsea would have had to open up, you know, right now, Chelsea can dictate the match. So that is in our advantage. We get to dictate the match. Wolfsburg needs to come out and score. That's it. They have to come out and score. Um, we have a little bit more flexibility. So whew, it's going to be an interesting one. I'm anxious, I'm nervous, but I'm excited. It's Champions League football. It's going to kill me. Anyway, if you like us, remember to subscribe, rate, and review uh, if your preferred podcast platform allows you to. It does help us grow. It also helps us promote this team so that they get the coverage that they absolutely deserve. Remember to follow us on Twitter. We try to live tweet all the matches. Um, I think we've only missed a couple so far, but yeah, we try to live tweet them all. Uh, we are at Fran Kirby FC. So check us out. There's also a link in our bio to our merch shop. We got merch, y'all. We got merch. Uh, thanks again for listening. And we will talk to you guys, hopefully, after we have progressed to the Champions League semifinal. You want to say bye? <laughs> I was going, and then I got scared. I was like, when, when, when should I say it? Right now. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> you're going you're gonna to have to you're gonna keep that bit in the editing. That'll be funny. Mm-hmm.